0: Welcome to the Doc G Show, a radio show cluster. Without further ado, critics have said he has the face for radio and a voice for silent films. Your host, Ben, Doc G, Gordon. And we are on the air. Welcome to the Doc G Show. I am your host, Doc G. With me today, none other... Then Mike, I've came up with a nickname, The Furnace Charrette.
1: Hey. Yes. We're doing it. Yes. The Furnace. That's right.
0: <laughs> I felt what up. I felt it was positive promotion of your favorite place in Death Valley and since it was on yes. your first co-host of the show, why not, you know? Mm. Yes! You know? Yeah, why not? I, I like The Furnace. I think it works. I think it works. We'll I I like it. We'll give it a shot. We'll see how it works. Uh, Mike, how's your week been so far? Hmm. It's been pretty good. Uh, I can't complain. I'm very chill.
1: I've decided to take this week off, you know, mentally. Just lots of just video games, <laughs> watching YouTube videos. I've really checked out. I like that. So it's been great. Yeah. That's a good uh, week right there. Yeah. And of course, watched the finals. And I got to say to all your listeners who are also basketball fans, mm-hmm. I apologize for saying Giannis. <laughs> I know you corrected me. I just did not know. I hadn't heard his name enough, I guess. Yeah. But it is Giannis. It's
0: Giannis.
2: Yeah. I was well,
0: like, but, I, I, my, my brother, honest. Uh, my brother had a guy that he worked with. It's, it's one of those things you get into a habit of just saying anyways. Like, because my, yeah. my brother had a guy that he worked with. His name was Yegor. But everybody in the office just called him Igor. And he just was like, oh, yeah. it's one of those that he was just like, that's what they call me. Girl, come on. <laughs> and people are like, yeah. shouldn't you correct me? He's like, yeah, whatever. I feel, like, I feel like Giannis accepts that with his name. Like He's just like, yeah, that's whatever. That's- yeah, what's well, the heart? It's the last name that I still have no idea how to say. Yeah, it, well, first name I,
1: got it down to Giannis.
0: I feel like every announcer just sits there at night like on Tedokounmpo, on kumpo, hey. on yes. Like just we- practicing it because, I mean, it doesn't even fit on the back of a jersey. But, you know, congratulations. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> congratulations oh, yeah. to Giannis. That was uh, what an impressive last game, too. I mean, it wow. was 50 points and just, I mean, almost perfect from the foul line. Yeah, crazy. Mm-hmm. Crazy. Uh, also yeah. all, all kinds of other things happening in the news. Billionaires traveling to space. Wait. That's what? not happening. You know? I mean who Billy Mayer. Yeah, you, you know, I mean uh Jeff Bezos was there. Yeah. And I think mm-hmm. we can all I think we can all agree he might not have got there first, but he did win the race for whose rocket looks the most like a wiener right <laughs> i mean that thing so true come on <laughs> come on i mean it was you you got you got what's, so funny you got what's his name uh the uh richard branson there you go richard, is it richard branson? yeah bronson branson some richard you, richard's definitely richard correct something and <laughs> i mean you know he went out there and his looked like a like a, a fighter jet and then yeah. they, then they showed jeff bezos and i was like
2: what? Hmm. Did it,
0: who approved this thing?
2: Come on! Uh,
1: I saw a uh, meme. It was like they were like, "This is exact footage from the Jeff Bezos flight," and they they just showed uh, that clip from um, Austin
0: Powers where Doctor <laughs> Evil flies out of the volcano. <laughs> we'll have to see Elon Musk if he can get more phallic shape. You know, uh, I I have a yeah. feeling if anyone can be more of a Elon. Musk. So, oh yeah, hundred you know, percent. We'll
1: see. Yeah, we'll see. He's got a nice looking. He's got a nice looking ship, though. I think. Oh, Elon's, I haven't seen it. He's I still got seen the it. shafty look. Nice. I don't think you can even avoid the shaft. I don't think you can avoid the shaft and rockets depends, i don't think you can depends avoid depends that depends on look. how far you're
0: going i think in space right like true. i mean cuz richard was just richard branson there branson whatever we want to say he'll mm-hmm. uh, be next week's Giannis. Yes! Uh, he got he got right there to like just the the atmosphere and then came back down but like Bezos, he went all the way up in there but
1: it is it, Branson. I looked it up I looked nice, it up. It's Branson.
0: Okay, okay, <laughs> I'll correct that one fast. That's right. Uh, <laughs> so I, I wanted to talk about one thing before we fired the show up. I found this actually, I saw this on the, uh, the news just the other day. Uh, it was a job posting, and I can't decide if this is like the worst or best job for me ever. Um, hmm. I think one of us needs to do it though we need to do this okay. job just for the show uh, this job was posted on Craigslist sweet yes, yes. Which, already winning which which, which I, I I honestly didn't know like Craigslist still existed like I mean I know I talk about it every now and then but like I actually hadn't been on there until I looked it up for this actual this actual job posting. Like, I and I'm amazed because I hadn't been on there since 2007, and I was like, Oh, wow, it still looks pretty much the exact was, same. Was that the last time you needed a car? It was the last time I needed a crappy job, basically. Oh, okay. So, you know, and I went on there, I reintroduced myself to the Craigslist community, I checked out uh, <laughs> musical instruments in our area in Jacksonville. There you India. go. And uh, in case anybody, uh, any listeners are wondering, there is a triple-tone cowbell set up. Say what? Uh, Mm. Yeah. Dude in Middleburg is looking to sell. So anybody interested, check him out. He's a rare find. Yeah. He's not interested in selling over the internet either. He said only in capital letters, uh, phone calls, Mm. which is ironic (laughs) considering it's Craigslist. But um. And if you're not interested in cowbells, there's also a didgeridoo uh, being sold for forty dollars. It's uh, it's it's basically like it's like a I don't know what you would call it. I guess it's like it's like a trom uh, trumpet, like just one okay. long trumpet made out of a uh, made out of bamboo. Like it's just this big hmm. like long horn sort of deal. Um, it sounded like they had no idea what to call it with the name didgeridoo. A <laughs> little bit is a little bit but it's uh it's a well-crafted instrument it's 46 and a half inches long so take that jeff bezos wait um Mm. and uh bonus the guy lives on beach boulevard for you folks in jacksonville uh and for listeners of the show they may remember that's where i got hit on my bike by a car so there we go so hopefully it wasn't that dude um anyways I got sidetracked on the instruments. I literally spent like an hour and a half looking at these weird instruments. Um, <laughs> the reason I brought it up, though, uh, there's a dude in Hudson Valley, uh, New York, I think, uh, who's essentially looking for a gigolo for his mother-in-law. Hmm. Hmm. Now, Now, this is the kicker. It's at his wedding. Word. So... Not, I guess technically, it's not his mother-in-law yet. It's about to be his mother-in-law, and he's looking for a gigolo to keep her occupied during. So the So this wedding. is just going to be her date, basically. Exactly, but okay. she doesn't like. She doesn't know it's her date. Mm. So it's like it's like a setup sting operation. So. Um, Mike. I don't know about you, but I have a strong distaste for weddings. So true. Um, yeah. Listeners know this. Um, they. Uh, I. Hmm. I. Th- I think. I think the main thing. I think the core of my distaste is that I enjoy spontaneous social gatherings. Hmm. I'm. I'm not a fan of forced social gatherings, and yeah. there's nothing more forced than marriages like there's yes. nothing like that's it's so forced and and i will say right now at a, every wedding at least 50 percent of the people getting married would rather not be at that wedding I'm, I'm gonna go ahead and say on that there's at least 50 percent. that's a fact now, or they're just there for the party like they're just there for the after party exactly exactly but Anyways, listeners already know I don't like weddings. I hate let's, weddings too. Thankfully, COVID good. got me out of a couple. And
1: uh, yes, I will forever exactly
0: be for that. Exactly. Thank I you. I uh, I I agree. That happened to me as well, and it was very. I was like, woo, one good thing, silver lining, folks, silver lining. Yeah. Uh, but anyways, let's focus on this job. Now, <laughs> it's not a bad amount of money. He's oh. offering a thousand dollars. Wow. Yeah for yeah. one night but well, that's a weird thing it's two nights i don't know why uh, no, that's low pay what's for going a gigolo. on <laughs> yeah and now now he says the uh the mother-in-law will need constant attention supervision she will probably wear white and try to escalate small dramas mm. and uh your job is simply to distract and de-escalate now uh, the ad has a couple of qualifications The first one is uh, The date must be a conversationalist hmm. So I mean I think I checked that box I have a, <laughs> a, I have a two hour radio show And before any of the listeners say anything It didn't say good conversationalist nope. It just said <laughs> conversationalist Okay So I think that one works Next one Good dancer Good. You have to be mm. a good dancer. Okay. Which, yeah, That's I great. don't. I don't know. I don't know if I meet that one. I mean, oh. mm. I got some spicy dance moves, but I don't know. I don't know. I was gonna make an analogy to to hot wings, but I'm not feeling it anymore. Mm. So, anyways, Wait, what? anyways, the l- next one has to own their own suit, which I got that. I got a suit. Oh, okay. I got. Pl- I got plenty of suits. Wow. If they right. want, we can go blue. We can go gray. We can go black. I got them all. You let me, white let me know. Match know Grandma? No? I, that's what I thought about a little bit, you know? <laughs> Come in looking like Colonel Sanders. And you'd be like, hey, what's up? Here to party, you guys. Uh, that's actually a little bit more cream. So True. I wouldn't be all white. Anyways. <laughs> then lastly, it adds, you have to be able to pretend you happen to be a guest interested in just sitting with this mother-in-law. So you have to, you know... You, mm. obviously you gotta stay undercover so I, I can do that I can do that now the last thing it says please send a photo of yourself and a quick blurb indicating your interest and qualifications mm. you also need to be uh, uh, okay with us running a background check on you for safety's sake mm-hmm. but I, I, might, I yeah I feel <laughs> like one of us needs to apply to this job just for another monologue cause like that could be a whole show all right, doc, being... send me the link. Send me the link. I'll I'll sign it. Nice. Up. I'll send
1: a video. Nice. I'll send a picture. I,
0: I got a feeling. Suits. I got a feeling. After I send a picture, they would not tag me. Nope. I'm sorry. You look like a homeless man. <laughs> we can't take you for this. But anyways, while we're polishing up our CVs, you want to fire up the show? Yeah, I would love Let's to. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's fire My- it up the furnace <laughs> yes 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 all three engines up and burning two one zero and lift off we have a fantastic show uh i'm super excited we have matt lorenz better known as the suitcase junket this guy just released uh the end is new his most recent album he's back touring again he's going to be in west virginia so true. for all you uh mountain mamas out there nice. uh, at the Purple <laughs> Fiddle tonight, Purple Ooh. Fiddle. Yeah, I can't wait to talk to him. Uh, but first, we need to start where we start. Birthday suit.
3: Mm. Happy birthday, Mr. President.
0: Okay, now I'm pretty confident on this one. I think the uh, I think the movies will give it away. It's in your wheelhouse. It's a comedian. Um, so here we go. I'm gonna give you. Hmm. 90%. Uh, Okay. I I could probably give you higher than that, but I'm going to give you 90. All right. Uh, Born on July 21st, 1951 in Chicago, Illinois, his dad was a senior executive at Ford Lincoln. In 1963, his dad was transferred to Detroit, and our birthday suit wearer moved. He went to Detroit uh, Country Day School, which I found interesting because that's the same uh, school that Chris Webber and Shane Battier That's a fact. Mm. Oh,
3: nice. Now, it's like,
0: it's like 20 years later, but still. Yeah. Um, hey. w- when our birthday suit wearer was 16, his father retired and moved to Tiburon, California. When he graduated from Redwood High School, he was given two senior superlatives. First, funniest, and second, most likely not to succeed. What? Mm. What? F- there you go. I feel like that wouldn't fly nowadays. Hey, most likely to be a failure. That's you. Yeah, no, no, no. no. You'd get canceled immediately. That school would get canceled. Um, (laughs) He started studying drama after high school. In 1973, he attained a full scholarship to the Juilliard School. Take that, most likely not to succeed. Mm -hmm. Uh, After three years, he decided to actually quit Juilliard and start performing stand-up in San Francisco. Dave Letterman remembers seeing him at the comedy store and thinking to himself, holy crap, there goes my chance in stand-up. In 1979, mm. he won a, a Grammy for Best Comedy Recording. Later on, one of his biographers said his intense, utterly manic style of stand-up goes beyond energetic, beyond frenetic, and sometimes dangerous because, mm. of, uh, because of what it says about the creator's own mental state. stand-up got him a spot on Richard Pryor's show, which ended up getting him cast on Mork and Mindy sitcom. Mm. His big break in movies came when he starred in Good Morning Vietnam, which earned him an Academy Award for Best Actor. Then in 1989, he starred in Dead Poets Society. In 1991, he played in Hook as Peter Pan. In 1992, he played the genie. In Disney's Aladdin. And then in 1993, he played the role Mrs. Doubtfire. Sweet. Goodwill Hunting in 1997. And in 2006, he played Teddy Roosevelt in Night at the Museum. Sadly, in 2014, our birthday suit wearer committed suicide. Regardless, he is still known as one of the biggest names in comedy and entertainment. Name that birthday suit wearer. Oh, it was Robin Williams. I knew that a while ago. I just wanted to hear the rest of his credits. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Robin Williams is correct. I knew you knew that one. It's hard
1: not to. Yeah. It's hard not to. He was extroverted, by the way. I know we mentioned that he was not an
0: introverted guy. Yeah, he was very extroverted. He He was was, just, I mean, like that. I I wanted to say that because I actually didn't know this uh, when I was looking this up. Good Morning, Vietnam. Have you ever seen that movie? I haven't. It's, uh, I mean, you know, it's, it's honestly, it's, as a guy that grew up with, like, uh, the, you know, self-deprecating humor of, like, the 90s, it's not that funny. There's some funny parts of it, but Mm -hmm. the amazing thing about it is, right, he's, he's a radio, uh, he's a, he's a radio DJ in the movie, right, in, in Vietnam, and apparently he basically improvised every single thing that he did as the radio host in that movie. Like, they had zero script for him, which if you see this movie, it's insane because he doesn't stop talking the whole time he's on the radio. And you're just like, he made up all of that crap? He's like just a tornado of words. It's insane, man. I got to check it out now. I got to see it robin williams i've not seen that one it's 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 super like i mean it's it's like a stand-up like when he's on the air in the movie it's just he's just going a mile a minute and doing like 30 different voices and making references to things that take you like five minutes uh later to go oh that's what he was talking about oh okay like i mean just like it's crazy he did have to see it he he had some great words of wisdom, though, too, that haven't failed me since middle school. Quote, when in doubt, make a there joke.
1: There yes. you go.
0: Yes. Isn't that right, Jeff always, Bezos? Always a great
1: way to Wait, what? Yes, fall back, yes.
0: Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. R.I.P. Uh, Robin, let's see. Robin would have been, uh, oh, would have been his big 70. Would have been wow. 70. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right, Mike. Ready to rip some headlines? Let's do it. It's now time for RIP from the Headlines. Okay, uh, we need to start out this RIP Headlines little positivity. Special shout out to Mark Muller of Cedar Rapids. Shout out. Mark Muller just celebrated, get this, 10,000 consecutive days of working out. Wow, he's an expert. Yeah, 10,000 10, days exactly of fitness. Uh, February 21st. That's 20- the hours.
1: Ten thousand hours is eh. what makes you an expert. Well, I but mean, 10, if, days
0: yeah, it's ten thousand hours. Like, I mean, hours, if he yeah. if if he did an hour a day, you know. Yeah, that's yeah. I guess you know. he's an expert. Uh, February twenty first, nineteen ninety four. He looked down at his body and swore that his gut would never stick out further than his chest. <laughs> so true. And with that, he vowed to never miss another workout. There you go. Wow. Now. Over those 27 years, he's had some pretty good reasons not to work out. Uh, he found out that he had walking pneumonia at one point during those 27 years. Mm. So he said, I, I pretty much had to stay in the weight room and lift light for a couple of days. Work. Then uh, the second one, uh, in 2016, he had surgery on his knee. So he said, I had to do light upper body stuff that day and a lot of core work after surgery. (laughs) And then this past January, he had COVID. And he said, I did a lot of stationary bike and a lot of running on the treadmill. Which I'm going to say, hopefully, for the safety of everybody else, he did that at home. I'm hoping he has a treadmill and a bike at home and didn't do that at the gym with COVID. <laughs> hey, guys, I'm here. Hey, what the f***? Get away from us, man. Uh,
1: and and they two... Had those, uh, they had the bubbles in the gyms, you know? They had the oh, bubbles, maybe. May, but maybe. still not good. You still should <laughs> not go to the gym, even with the bubbles. That's fact.
0: Uh, also, like, he did... It seems like he chose, like, the two worst exercises for a dude with a respiratory illness, like... Yeah, yeah. Why would you go with biking and running if you've got I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it's like you
1: are so weak. like you can't even do like light exert, like I, light weights.
0: I don't know. I, I don't know, but he made it through it. He made it through yeah, it. He and did it. He said you can always find a reason to work out. Uh, Mark's not stopping anytime soon either. He said uh, yesterday he said I was coming out of the Y. So apparently works with YMCA. Shout out. Shout out. Um <laughs> And Keith Wymore uh, was walking in, uh, getting a little workout in, and he said, Keith is 94. So I've got a few years to get up to Keith's level. Oh, yeah.
4: Yes. <laughs> yes.
0: Keith, there you
1: go.
4: Keith get is
0: it. the real winner here. <laughs> he's, Keith just, I mean, he's not even celebrating it. He's just like, I go. Who no. cares? Let's get it. Um, Mike, for our second story, I found a lady that apparently shares our views on weddings. Word. So, um, folks at the Worcester Red Sox game in Massachusetts, their minor league team there, they're enjoying the game when a man jumped up on the dugout, pulled his girlfriend up on the dugout, popped down on one knee, and proposed to her. <laughs> the lady looked... Very uncomfortable. Mm. There's video of this. You can check it out. She looks not happy to be there. She shook her head no and then jumped off the dugout and ran out of the stadium. Oh. Yeah.
1: What
0: yeah. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. Steven Wooster, who is a diehard uh Worcester Red Sox fan, because why not right so true uh, he told 985 uh 98.5 fm he saw the whole thing he was sitting on third base uh it was horrifying
2: so oh, that was
0: man. that was steven's recap uh that's got to be tough that's very tough i mean You're first off Jumbotron, ugh. yeah i i i think first of all you need to make 100% sure that your girlfriend wants to get married before you do that in front of, you know, a stadium full of people. That's a fact. You know? Yeah. Like, second, though, I really, I sort of wish all public proposals like this would end this way. Like, <laughs> I mean. Well, we get
1: a lot of compilations of good ones that are, are ones that do not end the way that we want them to, or yeah, the way that we want them to, and not the way that they do.
0: Yeah, well, yeah, like, I mean, but they're showing off at the easy part. Like so true. Anyone yeah. can show off when you're diving headfirst into a stupid decision. That's a fact. Now, <laughs> like, like if I'm at a Worcester Red Sox game and a lady wants to get up and say, like, "Hey, me and my tad of a husband have been married for 60 years," I'll cheer that on. I'll be like, mm-hmm. "Yes, that's that's worth it breaking into my entertainment." You guys have accomplished some things, but like, yeah. proposal? Come on. I was on, a, on yeah. a I was on an airplane one time when that happened. And I was like, ew. What? And they stopped like the the refreshment service and everything and I was just like, wow. What? I don't want to be a part of this. Nope. Just <laughs> hurry up with the cart, guys. You're ruining th- it's just un- unnecessary. Unnecessary. <laughs> Um, Uh, That's so funny.
1: I mean, I thought when you propose, like, I thought you're supposed to at least be 90% sure the Mm -hmm. other person's going to say yes. Mm -hmm. I I always thought that was a thing. I didn't think you would just wing it. Well, I mean,
0: like, uh, as the listeners know, one of our other co-hosts, Dave, on the show, he uh, proposed to his girlfriend, I think it was about... I don't know it's about a year ago somewhere around there and like his his fiance basically gave him the details of what she was looking for in a, <laughs> in a proposal so like he yeah. already had like okay checklist here i gotta do this mm-hmm. gotta do that like there was yeah. no i mean this guy I, I bet this guy was probably like on the third date or something and she was just like <laughs> what the <laughs> wrong with him what no No, you nutbag. Yeah,
1: my friend went engagement ring shopping. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. That's, that just ruins the surprise. I don't know. I just, I feel like it's a little much.
0: You should at least know. Yeah. Not to that extent. Yeah. Exactly. There's a happy medium somewhere in there. A happy medium. Uh, Okay. Some good news out of Wisconsin here. Well, it starts with a little bad news, but then it turns good. Uh, so the so win. Yeah, that, that was a positive, too. Yes. I don't know if Marlo cares about that. But this is uh, Marlo uh, lives in Wisconsin, Marlo Spath, and she was fired from Walmart in 2015. Hmm. And uh, she was fired because she wasn't showing up to work on time. But she, she sort of had a good excuse. Because she wasn't showing up to Walmart on time because they changed her schedule. And Marlo had certain things she couldn't change in her schedule throughout her day because she has a disability. She has Down syndrome. And she couldn't change it. And she told the people at Walmart, hey, I can't change this. Can we go back to the old schedule? And they're like, nope. And then they fired her. Girl, come on. And, uh, you know, that's not cool. And after no. she was fired, she sued Walmart for a disability discrimination lawsuit for 125 million dollars. Yeah. And this past Friday, she won the lawsuit. What? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Oh,
1: my gosh. 125 milli. Yes. Now. how much stuff you could buy at Walmart for that much money?
0: (laughs) It sounds pretty awesome, but I should note that apparently there's a federal limit that caps discrimination suits like this one at $300,000.
1: Wait, what?
0: So, Walmart will only have to actually pay $300,000 to Marlowe. Which, like, <laughs> I, I I don't get this in like court cases. Like they do this so much with different things. Like, how, like, why list it if it's not enforceable? I don't. Yeah. Like, what with the f is the point of saying 125 million dollars if everyone in the court knows it's gonna be 300 thousand? Like.
1: Hmm. Clickbait. I mean They're just trying to get you.
0: Well, I mean it's like you just said like with the Bucks. Like if the Bucks before the finals were like, Hey, if we win these finals, we're the greatest basketball team ever in the history of the universe, everybody'd be like, Cool, but you're still actually only winning the NBA Finals. So true. Like that's yeah. like I mean It's a you, separate title. Makes no sense. <laughs> like I don't yeah. I don't get it. Like why like why wouldn't the judge at the very beginning just be like, uh, yeah, so you mean three hundred thousand? Okay, we'll put you down for three hundred thousand. <laughs> All right, like it just I I mean it's the same thing and I've mentioned it on the show before, but like when they charge somebody with six life sentences, and you're like, So you mean until yeah. they die? Okay, gotcha. Until they die. Right. And then like, they die again. And then they die like, again. Yeah, like it's just I don't
1: get it, man. Well, he's but, died six times, he's free.
0: And there he's we go. Dead. Let him out. And that ghost <laughs> is happy. Um he comes back in the next life. Oh, back to prison. <laughs> still stuck uh, so I got I guess we'll stick in Wisconsin for the last story here before the break got another one in Wisconsin apparently a lot of things are happening in Wisconsin um so this one was in the suburbs of Milwaukee and apparently police are looking for a man and woman who committed armed robbery on Greenville Avenue at the family dollar hmm. yeah wow yeah. Police say they entered the store shortly after 5 p.m. The female indicated that she had a gun, and the two began taking items off the shelves. Suspects left the store from the back office before police arrived. They are still searching for both suspects. Hmm. Now, Mike, I'm never one to encourage crime, but the listeners know I tend to analyze a lot of people's crimes on this show. (laughs) Like, I don't encourage it yeah and and i know what you're gonna you're thinking as well as all the listeners Hmm, why family dollar Hmm. like why warm up it's a warm up (laughs) i mean warming up if you're gonna commit armed robbery shouldn't it be on a store that doesn't advertise everything in their stores less than a dollar like (laughs) you might i mean i just i don't get like you, you, I, I just imagine these two went into this Family Dollar, and the people that work there were like, "Really? Really? Yes. This... Here? here, you're gonna have to get a lot of stuff. Do you want us to yeah. like get you garbage <laughs> There's bags? There's No way they're gonna get grand theft. Yeah, <laughs> like no I way. Mean, I mean, it's insane. But a side note, I took a look at the map just to see there are other options around the Family Dollar where this happened. There's a Fazoli's right across the street, Mike. Have you ever eaten mm. at a Fazoli's? Say what? Uh, no, I have not. Oh. I do
1: remember the signs back in the day.
0: Oh, you are missing it. out, Mike. It It is the skankiest Italian-American you can get, and I love it. Oh, sounds delicious. I love it. Oh, my yeah. gosh. I'm pretty sure I could stop my own heart from eating too many of their breadsticks in a day's time. Like they, That's a fact. You've, eat, you've eaten at the Olive Garden, right? Oh, definitely now Can't think ab- there. think about their breadsticks and just add about mm, a pound of garlic butter on top of them that's fazoli's bread they oh my God, are amazing amazing so
1: synopsis uh, i'm looking up fazoli's around my area there is one 202 miles away <laughs> you're Three almost a there review
0: I, I did the same thing before, while I was writing up the outline of this story, <laughs> and I gotta be... Ours is Valdosta. That's as close as we've got here in Jacksonville is uh. Valdosta. There's also one in Orlando, by the way. I could go down, I, yes. down south could I hit that one I want to say it's up. like
1: on international drive I think but mm. Valdosta, way closer right it's closer like, yeah it's
0: a, i think that's about an hour and a half
1: maybe almost Worth 2 it? hours I, yeah Worth i think it. so Sounds
0: for like those it. for those breadsticks yes so <laughs> synopsis i hope the burglars are enjoying at least got to enjoy some fazolis before they're arrested i hope maybe that <laughs> that happens they probably
1: got a bunch of dollar store candy like that would <laughs> definitely be one of the things that i steal is all of the candy that they have
0: you don't have to don't have to worry about halloween for years to come we've got exactly we've got knockoff pixie sticks for the next years guys uh we're gonna take a break we're gonna hear from our guest today this is suitcase junket with light a candle right here on the doc g show (laughs)
2: I don't feel much in the morning anymore. Or if I do, it's nothing worth remembering, like the shadow of some branches on the door. And there's nothing secret about the way I feel right. a chorus on a hymn And so I synthesized on synesthetic state Yeah, I sing this song to colorize my days I light a candle for you
0: the doc a g a show spinner radio wskr 95.5 fm in jacksonville florida folks if you haven't downloaded the podcast subscribe to our podcast you need to do that yes. you can do it on all kinds of different platforms you got verbal out there you got tune in you got stitcher you got soundcloud you got apple all kinds of different places to stream it from and if you want to do all of them just to make me feel better do that so true Do that Mm -hmm. you will you will increase your listening capacity by five times and i will think (laughs) a lot more people are listening than they really are and that will make me happy that's a fact so do that do that for me
1: Uh, i could just imagine a guy on like a computer an ipad his iphone Mm -hmm. and then some kind of random bluetooth radio pressing play at the same time on five of your podcasts different
0: (laughs) and 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 then that week i'll look at the numbers the analytics and be like what this is This is great wow man so many listens so true uh Speaking of, we even got a SoundCloud. <laughs> exactly, we need to we need to shout out the uh, regulars here. Shout out. got the regulars. So here we go. Shout out to Jacksonville, Florida; Columbia, South Carolina; Gainesville, Florida; Genoa, Italy; Radford, Virginia; Barcelona, Spain; Dublin, Ireland; Richardson, Texas; Ashburn, Virginia; San Diego, California; Anoka, Minnesota; Peoria, Illinois; Tulsa, Oklahoma; Winfield, West Virginia; Boardman, Oregon; or- Orlando, Florida; and Katy, Texas. There we Shut go. Out. There we go. Those are the regulars. Those are the, nice. the ride or die folks there that have been with us for the longest. And uh, I think the listeners know, uh, aside from Jacksonville, obviously, being home base, Genoa and Ashburn, they've been the, the longest. Genoa, Italy, and Ashburn, so Virginia, they locked in real soon. So they know about those crappy first shows. That's awesome. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Thanks for
3: sticking with us.
0: Thank you. Semi-regulars. Got some interesting ones here in the semis today. Shout out to East Sandwich, Massachusetts. Lima, Peru, Montua, New Jersey, Billings, Montana, Paris, France, Spanaway, Washington, Nairobi, Kenya, Ocean City, Maryland, Ankara, Turkey, North Troy, Vermont, Frankfurt, Germany, Dallas, Pennsylvania, St. Helena Island, South Carolina, Denver, Colorado, Wrexham, United Kingdom, and Honcho, Japan. Shout out. Yes. Nice. Yeah. Wow, everywhere. Got some internationals there this week. Week. International, yeah, Nairobi, Kenya, man, doing it in Kenya. That's that's nice. Yeah. and North Troy, Vermont. I don't know where North Troy is in Vermont, but shout out to Vermont. I don't even
1: know where Vermont is, but
0: yeah, it's <laughs> doing it somewhere up there. Well, I don't know. <laughs> Aren't they known for syrup? Pretty sure. Okay. Yeah. Uh, thank you, everybody that has listened. I do appreciate it. Uh, we've got some leftover stories here. Hmm. I've got. I actually got several that we didn't get to, that are, are fairly interesting. Nope. Uh, this one, uh, I wanted to bring this one up. Uh, so. Mike, what's the weirdest ice cream you've ever had? Mm. Mm.
1: First one that comes to mind in New York City, I had one of the uh, I had the black ice cream, mm. which just like just black. What's, like, it was like? The what's it taste color. like? Was it like
0: licorice or what?
1: Uh, it was like it was chocolate. Oh, but, um, but oh. yeah, it was like one of those
0: glam, just, just a like mind straight trick. Black. Yeah, it was just yeah, it, it was darkness. Got it. Got what? Yeah, very weird. Very I got tasty. It. Yeah, I was about to say. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna bank on one. If I have weird ice cream, it's gonna it's gonna be a delicious treat. Like I'm not going mm. like. But they have weird yeah. <laughs> they have weird flavors out there. And yeah, they do. If anybody's looking for one of those weird flavors, uh, and you you said you had it in uh, New York. This is from Brooklyn, yeah. uh, Van Leeuwen Ice Cream in Brooklyn. They just released craft macaroni and cheese flavored ice cream. Mm.
2: Ew. Yeah. Indifferent.
0: Indifferent (laughs) about this. I'm indifferent. I just, I'm grossed out by it because I don't think that cold macaroni and cheese is going to be tasty. Like, I don't see how that... uh, Yeah. Reach for a statement. They said, we know that there's nothing more refreshing on a hot summer day than ice cream. That's why we wanted to combine two of the most iconic comfort foods to create an ice cream with unforgettable flavor of Kraft macaroni and cheese, Hmm. Hmm. which I got to be honest. I don't know. Yeah. Their statement eh, doesn't make any sense. Nope. Like, yes, people do look for ice cream on a hot summer day. They don't look for macaroni and cheese on a hot summer day. Like, yeah no, they don't they don't nobody's got oh man pass that hot macaroni and cheese whoo it's a hot one yeah like that's no Ew. no it's just i i mean i'm guessing since it's not good for you it's probably gonna be good it's probably gonna i mean it's yeah. I, i'm probably gonna be able to eat it and tolerate it but like what why why Van Leeuwen? Why
1: do you have yeah. to go
0: with macaroni and there, cheese?
1: What's the garnish gonna be? I mean, is it just a smooth ice cream, or are there yeah they put the little chunks. like macaronis,
0: <laughs> little chunks of macaroni and cheese in there? Mmm, delicious. Ew. Uh, yeah, I mean, I it looked about that. it looked very smooth. It just had like an orangish yellow color, you know, and uh, mm. yeah, it's I it's gotta I'll, be sweet. Macaroni and cheese is. Savory, savory. yeah. No, I don't, like, that's the thing is I just don't, I don't get it. But apparently they said it's already, like, it's already sold out. Like, they had a limited batch. Hmm. And I feel like it was just one of those things, though, that people were just, like, daring them to try it. Try it. Oh, oh my God, is it disgusting? Yeah, I didn't want to throw up. Wow, all right, nice. Um, I would like to try it. I, I'd get. I honestly, I'd give it a try, and then I would probably be like, never again. New nope. only in New York can you find
1: something like that, though. New York seriously has all the foods. They hey. have every type of food you can ask for. And then every restaurant theme you could ever think of, they have it.
0: I feel like the only place that can sort of compete is L. A. Yeah. Uh, LA can yeah. the, but LA is more spread out that's the thing is you're yeah. going to have to you're going to have to go Roman whereas uh, New York you can pretty much do it almost all in Manhattan and then uh, yeah you know. it's
1: not not too far to travel does LA have the restaurant grades on the door though do I don't, they have that I don't know I, I don't think so
0: and, I don't think they do yeah so. see
1: New York City they have to post their grades mm. on their windows and mm. they have to keep up with
0: that report just, card Report yeah. card and you don't have to yeah. you definitely don't have to do that in the South. Nope. There's no judging no. here. No way. You you no way. you have as crappy as you want, we'll still come in and eat it. It's fine. <laughs> it's all F's. Uh, it's all Fs. <laughs> Mike, I got a headline here uh from the International Business Times. This is sort of a mean headline. It's a sad headline and a mean headline. Uh quote, drunk man killed in shallow water shark attack. After he went waist deep in sea to urinate. Hmm. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know. I mean, and call me crazy, but I feel like the beginning and the end of that headline completely unnecessary information. Like, wait, what was the headline again? <laughs> read it again Drunk man killed in shallow water shark attack after he went <laughs> in to waist deep water to urinate. Yeah. Like, I mean, all you needed to do like was say shark attack, but they just yeah. wanted to detract from the victim's death. Like, I mean, it's pretty much the same thing if the headline was 30-year-old man who's afraid of the dark killed by shark attack after telling his best friend <laughs> he had sex with a goat five years ago. <laughs> like, there's no need to add those two things in there. No. Why'd, no, no, not necessary. Why'd you do it, mean author? Why'd you, like you said, so, clickbait. 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 That's true. They just want to get you. But hey, we're going to read the article. I was about to say. <laughs>
1: we need to know more.
0: I was about to say, they did get me. They did, And honestly, there was no more information. It was basically like he had some drinks with friends, went out there, and got eaten. The end. Um, well, I imagine like,
1: it definitely doesn't help the situation when you're drunk. Your alcohol, the blood, your your blood thins, right? Like with the alcohol, yeah. it's like thinner. So you, if you drink, you bleed you it, It's right? uh,
0: it, you're much more likely to bleed out. Yeah, yeah. That's why anytime you get a piercing or a tattoo, they ask you, "Have you been drinking?" Because I mm. think I think I brought this up on the show, but that was one of the piercings that I got one time. I forgot. I had a whole bunch of ibuprofen before I got it uh, because I hurt yeah. my hip. And uh, they asked me, like, the dude was like, are you sure you haven't been drinking? I'm like, positive. And then, like, after, uh, like, three times of him asking that again, I was like, oh, wait, the ibuprofen thing. Yeah, I had, like, ten of those. And he was like, yeah uh. <laughs> And he just put me in the corner with a sense. pack of gauze on my ear, and I sat there and bled for like another hour. Oh man! It was wow. Yeah, it was it was it was annoying. So yeah, yeah, it does. It definitely increases. And uh, I'm guessing if you get bit by a shark, you're gonna probably bleed for a while. That's, yeah. Those yeah. those guys have some sharp teeth. Uh, okay, Mike, are you ready for the second birthday suit? Yes. How how are you on uh American literature? Hmm. Well, I'm from Florida. <laughs> so not a lot of reading.
1: Um uh, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm hey, I'm decent. I'm decent. Okay, I'm, well this, this is this is a
0: well known uh American author, and he has ties to Florida. So Oh Mm. Gotcha. Okay. Born on July 21st, 1899 in Oak Park, Illinois. Our birthday suit uh, wearer's mother was a musician. His dad was a physician. In high school, our birthday suit wearer was a good student and a good athlete and was a journalist for the school's newspaper. In 1917, he tried to join the Army for World War I, but was rejected because of bad eyesight. So he joined the Red Cross instead. He went to Europe with the Red Cross and was severely injured in Italy, and it took over a year to recover. He returned to America in 1919. When he returned to America, he started working as a reporter for the Toronto Star as an international reporter. He lived in Italy, he lived in Paris, he lived in Spain, he lived all over Europe while he was an international reporter. While in Spain, he decided to write his first novel, The Sun Also Rises, Mm. which was published in 1926. He wrote A Farewell to Arms in 1928, He started spending his winters in Key West and his summers in Wyoming. In 1937, he decided to cover the Spanish Civil War for the North American Newspaper Alliance. Mm. By the 1940s, he moved his summer residence to Ketchum, Idaho, and his winter residence to Cuba. In 1940, he published his most famous book, For Whom the Bell Tolls. That's right. In 1945, he went to Europe and covered the Normandy landings, saw the waves of troops rush Omaha Beach from the boats, he was also present as a journalist for the liberation of Paris. In 1952, he wrote The Old Man and the Sea. In 1954, he sustained serious injuries in a plane wreck in Africa. That same year, he received the Nobel Prize for Literature. Sadly, in 1961, our birthday suitwear killed himself in Idaho. Still, he's known as one of the greatest American writers of all time. Name that birthday suit wearer. Hmm. The goats.
1: Uh, Mark Twain.
0: Hemingway. <laughs> Hemingway.
1: Oh, Hemingway. Come, come on. Ernest. Uh, Key West thing. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, there it was you go. Hemingway. Yeah. I forget. Yeah. yeah. The place in Key West. It's like a tourist attraction. Yeah. Oh,
0: Cuba gosh. and uh, uh the six-toed cats has all the six toed cats at the Hemingway house. And yes. Yeah. Man. Wow. Heming I gotta be honest. Hemingway, uh, when you look at his life and you actually go through everything, man, that dude put a lot of stuff into his life. So true. Like, yeah. He was I mean, he he was at both world wars. He saw like all the biggest parts of both world wars. He won a Nobel Prize for literature. He he like got the best of Key West and Cuba during the winter, and the best yep. of the West states in the in the summer. Like just I mean, and then just went to Africa a whole bunch a of times. He just yeah, I mean he was he I mean just enjoying all of America there. He's just a a go getter, a little too much drinking. That's a fact. We'll say that. A little
2: too much drinking. He also got to
1: live in other countries, which I think is overlooked. I think it's a very important thing to do in your life
0: is live in like other places that are not
1: where your regular environment is. He
0: lived all kinds of places, man. I mean, just all over the place. Uh, Just a a world trap. And I'll I'll be honest, before uh, the old and the alcoholism got to him, he's a pretty good looking dude. You look at that guy in like 1930 or so. Yeah, there's uh, a, a a suntanned man in uh, in Key West. you're like, oh, that's a, that's a dashing fellow writing some some okay. novels. Good for you, Ernest. Now when he got older, yeah. he was sort of bald and sort of yeah. overweight old. and you know, but yeah. but you know I mean, and just uh, if you haven't listeners read some of those books, let me tell you, old man in the sea such a good, such a good book, such a good book uh, and very short doesn't take you very long to read that one at all it's like, i'll have to check that out then it's like 95 <laughs> pages you can definitely get through that oh, one real perfect. fast yeah yeah anywho all right we are going to take one more break we are going to uh uh be back with our guest matt lorenz none other than the suitcase junket right here on the doc
2: g show the doc g show because sometimes you need something playing in the background. Every Wednesday at 7 p.m. on 99.5 FM, Spinnaker. This is 95.5 Spinnaker Wheel. W-S-K-R-L-P-F-M, UNF Jacksonville.
0: Welcome back to the show, everybody. Today we are very happy to welcome a fantastic artist and songwriter, Matt Lorenz, better known as the Suitcase Junket. Matt, how's it going? Hey,
4: it's going great. Nice to be here with
0: you. Yeah, so first off, uh, as I think listeners can hear a little bit of background noise. Good news, <laughs> you're touring again.
4: Yeah, it's happening. I'm dipping my toe in the touring tub. Yeah. I'm, uh, you know, <laughs> doing, doing a few shows here and there this summer, and it feels good, man. It feels great to be playing again and connecting with people in that old way. You know, there's still a little bit of hesitancy sometimes, and you know, you can, you know, there's there's less uh, moshing. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, the dance pit is a little, a little shy.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, how, uh, I mean, was, I, I know you've been doing a couple shows uh, here in the last couple of weeks. Uh, was there any metaphorical or literal dust that had to be knocked off of the first show did you feel rusty
4: yeah my hips are like um angry at what's (laughs) going on they're like if you wanted to use us again you should have kept us well you know oiled or something this past year and a half
0: should have been doing Um, some personal training during the uh during the time off just in hips just in hip practice, yeah,
4: yeah h- hips and, and toes and stuff. I, I definitely am feeling it. I'll get like partway through a song and I'll be like, oh boy, yeah, You hang on to this tempo, man. You gotta.
0: <laughs> that was always me playing the drums just because I had really bad wrist technique. So I had to do it all sort of <laughs> forearm style and I'd just be burning in there
4: like, ah oh
0: God, you finish the song, hurry. <laughs> Jeez. So let's see, you this week you are playing or tonight, you're playing the purple fiddle uh in Thomas, West Virginia here. Uh, which I hear it's one of your favorite places to play i hear it is indeed the energy in the purple fiddle it's the real deal is it the real deal
4: yeah you know it's it's i love it there it's um one of the places that i've played probably the most you yeah. know where i was because time that i went you know west at all i would just skip through thomas yeah and so uh and and i sort of you know developed a sort of friendly community there with the, the art it's a really cool artist kind of community and uh and the venue is amazing. It's uh, it's just yeah, it, it, everyone's played there, so it just has that feel, you know. And there's something about it. It's a uh, it's a magic spot.
0: Very cool, very cool. How many times would you uh, guess you've played there?
4: Oh man, I've played there at least twenty five times. I would say. Wow.
0: Yeah. So. Maybe more. So they definitely. Maybe more. There were a few times
4: where. Right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's been 10 years, you know, of, yeah. uh, of stopping in.
0: But uh yeah. it's, it they they as an artist, you get the feel back from from the uh the audience there, huh?
4: Oh, big time. You know, cuz in, in the beginning my set wasn't exactly a dance set. Yeah. Like, it sort of evolved as I've gotten better at playing the instruments. Mm-hmm. It's kind of evolved from from the, you know, singer-songwriter who's got you know, some interesting stuff he's doing with his, with his feet. Yeah. So sort of, like, the full out, you know, it sounds like a three-piece, like, rock band in, in your garage, kind of, you nice. know? <laughs> and nice. And so that's, you know, it's one of those places where I could... I think it, it helped define my sound in, in some ways, you know, over, over the past 10 years. It's one of those places that not only was it a great place to play, but I feel like it, it did sort of change the way I approached my set as well. Because people were willing to listen and then they were willing to throw down.
0: Very cool. Very well, yeah. I mean, speaking of that, I, I think. The listen some of the listeners who already know you know this. The ones that don't probably don't know what you're talking about as far as like the, the <laughs> uniqueness. You've uh you've got one, you, you throw in some throat singing every now and then. Every now and then there's this unique throat singing you do. And then of course, you are sort of a one man band. You play like 42 various yard sale items with your feet that just sort of, there's all kinds of things. Your heel's doing one thing, your toe's doing another. You switch off to like five different pedals throughout each song. Um, Like you said, after doing this for a decade, do you ever get tired of explaining the whole one-man band thing like oh god I got, okay i gotta go through this again like does that get a little bit like does that sort of make you want to be like okay let's get some band members so i don't have to keep doing this
4: it's funny yeah like more than more than like getting i'm not getting bored with with playing the set you know i'm yeah. not getting bored with with making music yeah and i'm not saying i'm getting bored and i'm not saying that what we're about to do will bore me <laughs> but <laughs> But it is, it is one of those interesting things of the sort of like, you know, the constant introduction, you know, like there, I I had this whole bit sort of in the, in the show for the past few years where I would introduce the band.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
4: And And it's like, you know, kind of funny, but also a little bit informative. But when you do it like every night, you know, like I'm sort of starting to, you know, you know, break out the, the. The, the old banter, yeah. you know, as he's <laughs> shows and I'm like, Am I still saying this? <laughs> oh man. <laughs> okay. Sure. I know people like it, but geez have I said this a lot. Well but anyway, I'll do I'll give you a quick rundown, right? Okay. Basically I'm sitting on a suitcase, uh-huh. playing it with my right heel, right toe is on the hi hat. Mm-hmm. All right, so also occasionally swings over to this little box of bones and silverware, which is sort of works like a hi hat, but it's a wooden box and then there's film reel with a bunch of stuff hanging off of it so the top symbol of the hi-hat is like all of these weird items that mm-hmm. drop into a box. It's got this cool like chunky sound.
3: Yeah. Um,
4: and left toe is a baby shoe hitting a gas can mm-hmm. and uh, which is sort of like a flapping snare sort of sound. Yeah. And left heel is a cook pot that has more of a cowbell sort of popping sound. Mm-hmm. And left heel also swings back to this circular saw blade, which is like a boxing bell.
3: Yeah. And
4: uh, and so that's the foot situation. And you know, in the beginning, it was it's kind of like you're you know everything's really simple. You're just like trying to string beats together. And when it starts getting fun, is when it starts feeling like you're dancing. Yeah. And then you're like, okay, if, every, if I feel like I'm dancing, things are gonna be okay. And then that was a lot of how the sound progressed. Is like you sort of like make an incidental noise or a, a, a I don't know, mistake, or your your knee is like hitting the hi hat cymbal in this way you never noticed before. And you just keep dancing, you know, because if you think about it too much, you're gonna blow it. And then <laughs> you know you try to learn what you're doing by just repetition and. Uh, man, it's fun, and I've added a couple of drums. You know, like yeah. uh, I've got a tom that I hit. But it's you know it's this junky old guitar that's low tuned, um, and it's it's cranking through these fuzzy old uh, tube amps that just yeah. Oh man, they just sound so warm. They do. Delicious.
0: They do. It's. <laughs> It's funny. I've seen you do that introduction of the band, and you didn't do you didn't do the the stage performance for us. You gave us the nuts and bolts on that one. You gave us the yeah, I did.
4: You gave it, you gave us just
0: the real deal, which I can appreciate because I, 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 I've seen it. I watched it several times in different videos, and it's funny because it, it just like you were saying as far as just the whole performance itself. I could see different levels of you, you know, reciting it. Depending on how much the audience was into it, like some audiences yep. were like loving it, and you're like, "All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna lay into this. We're gonna do a little bit more. We're gonna have a and then we'll, we'll riff on it. Yeah, and then a couple of are just like looking at you, like, and you're like, "Okay, we're gonna speed this up. Here's the band. Okay, we're gonna go ahead and play. That's it." That's. <laughs>
4: But yeah, it's a whole other thing, man. Talking to audiences is like an whole, a whole other part
0: of the show, isn't it? Oh, for sure. Oh, for sure. It's uh, and there's you know uh, we had on the show John Craigie uh, who he I mean he's he's super detailed about that. Like he like you were saying like how many times do I have to do this? He like retires material every tour. Like he won't do it again because he feels like, and I'm just like. That seems even harder than making the music, man. You got to make like a. Yeah. You got to make like a stand-up routine with every single every single tour. That's tough. That's.
4: It's tricky. Yeah, I, I get it though. You know, because I there's there's stuff like that that I you know that I'll leave behind. But oftentimes I end up just tying a certain story to a song. And yeah. So if I play that song, I'm probably going to tell that story.
0: Yeah. Well, I, I, wa- I won't make you uh, explain the story. I'll explain it to the listeners. You took a uh, <laughs> South Indian cooking class that, uh, oh, yeah, yeah. that some of the names of the different dishes and ingredients. This was a long time ago. This was when you were in college. They used a, yep. a retroflex R when you pronounce some of the words. And that led you to your throat singing that you do. Now Yeah,
4: that's great. You know you know everything. You do that. there were forty two <laughs> things I did with the P and
0: <laughs> Well so <laughs> this is great. when you started doing that, like when you started actually like noticing that that sound, was it instantly something that you were like, I gotta use this somehow? Or was it just like well, this is fun to do? This sounds weird.
4: Yeah, it was a, it was the second one, it, you know, especially because in the beginning, it didn't even it wasn't even usable, you know, because in the very very beginning, you're finding a single note occasionally. You yeah. know, I would I would think that I had it down, and then it would always be when I'd like go to try to show someone, it <laughs> <laughs> would disappear, and i would be like, I swear, and they're like, you are making a very strange sound, <laughs> but it's not nice. Or interesting. So please stop.
0: I don't want to uh, hear that so, anymore.
4: Stop. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, you know, a lot of it was in the car and in the shower, you know, because it's these, like, reflective sort of yeah. closed-in spaces where mm-hmm. the sound can actually, you know, bounce back to your ear a little sooner. And the hard thing about it is that it doesn't resonate in your body. Yeah. Like, um, you're humming a note, and that's resonating. But then the overtone sound, it almost happens, like, outside of your mouth. So, yeah. you know, it's... You really have to use your ears, which is, you know, like well obviously I have to use ears music. But it was it was weird, you know, like I'd be doing it and then I'd be like, Oh wait, there it is. <laughs> I was doing it that whole time, I just
0: wasn't listening right. Yeah. Like that. Yeah, it's um it's, uh, it's 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 like uh one of the um uh, what are they called? I forget those old school. The where you gotta sort of relax your eyes, cross your eyes, and the the three D image will oh, come yeah, out.
4: Oh yeah, yeah, um, <laughs> That's right. What was the magic eye?
0: Yeah, that's it. That's it. Yeah. Ma- oh I got, I got it. I see what you're talking about.
4: Yeah. So that was just years of practicing in the in the car, and every once in a while, I would you know I was in a band at the time playing a sort of more standard you know guitar. Yeah. And uh, and every once in a while I would try to at it like if i was writing a song or if when it, when it became something that was a little bit easier to do and i could do a couple things you know on command
3: yeah i'll try to work it in but
4: it always sounded a little too weird like the, the the low note yeah and you know getting that lower note to kind of be as quiet as possible has been a lot of the practice over the years to really get those high notes to pop
0: yeah yeah more yeah now- now, like, that singing, it's, it's been, you know, it, it's been done all over the world. It's been done for a really long time. But yeah. it actually, like, I didn't know that it actually been, like, it's, it's been done in Americana. Uh, country singer Arthur Miles, way, way back in the day, 1929, used it. And, yeah. and I, I heard, like, I mean, you had no clue. About any of that when you first started doing it. You had no clue about Arthur Miles, right?
4: No, no. I found out about him much later. Um, you know, and the first people that usually, you know, if you start doing throat singing, people right away, are they, you know, they go to Tuba because yeah. it's a full tradition there. Every yeah. style of Oprah zone singing, they have a name for it, they have a, you know, like an institution around it. Yeah. Um, and I didn't, you know, I didn't study or listen much to them in the beginning, mainly because I was like, well, I'm going to like see if I can. Do it this way. Yeah. a lot of the stuff I heard from them was that like super deep growly um, style, which is more complex, and there's like way more notes happening. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, Arthur Miles, man, I like I totally fell in love with that with that recording. And well, unfortunately, there's only that one recording, or you know, two sides of the set, '78.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Like, did it? I mean, did it blow your mind when you heard that? Like, what? G- like. Think, things yeah. like that always blow my mind in the fact of how oh, like there's no like our inventions, our progressions, and especially in like music, it's it's not really just this one giant like hey I just came up with this completely new thing. It's always like a slow evolution or mutation or interpretation of an older thing. And you go back and you find yeah. it, and you're like oh there it was yeah he was doing that yeah. oh whoops didn't know wow like it's crazy. Well, speaking of influences, uh, I I heard you talk about this a a while back. You know, you sort of did the classic work your way back discovery. Like, you started with the big names and then sort of worked back and and worked back to, like, the classic Americana stuff. Uh, And so you were into, you know, like, the big names to start off with. The Hendrix, the Rolling Stones, Beatles, that kind of deal. Uh, Initially... Who 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 got you? Would you say most fascinated in becoming a musician? Like who out of those those old school rockers were you? Like I gotta I gotta do that.
4: I mean, I think it was Hendrix, just because like he was he was so iconic and visually and artistically, and his whole like he just like was so deeply himself. Yeah, you know? <laughs> he was like, man, you are like yourself all the way, and then you know just his like disregard for the rules. And you know, the, mm-hmm. yeah, the wildness. Nice. Um, and it's funny because, like, you know, I went back. You know, once I got into the, um, like you said, get, you know, back into the early stuff, listening to like the Alan Lomax recordings and all that. Yeah. Um, cool old like you know Willie Guthrie
0: and, stuff, and Muddy Waters and yeah.
4: Totally, I became like a like an acoustic freak. You know, like. Like, I didn't even like electric music for a while. I mm-hmm. was just like, man, acoustic is where it's at. It is the only way it is theft. Electric guitars are cheesy. <laughs> you know, I was like, uh, like you can't. the electric blues are the worst blues. And, and, you know, luckily I've tempered, you know, you know how you get when you're in your, uh, whatever I was, probably really 20s. You,
0: you go all like, the way. You gotta, yeah. There's only
4: one way to do this. There's exactly. Way.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um,
4: <laughs> so... And it's, it's funny, you know, sort of like, like you're saying, I you know, started with these sort of big names, big sounds, you know, like sort of psychedelic rock of you know, the sixties and then um, you know, my parents' record collection basically. Worked back to the acoustic, now I'm working my way forward and I'm going electric. Okay? <laughs> I, mean, I still play an acoustic guitar but it's
0: plugged in <laughs> yeah well I mean I saw you know uh, speaking of those big sounds the the uh, parents record collection I saw a rendition you did with your 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 sister there it was actually only a couple of years ago but I saw you do uh Seeger yeah. you did uh, Hollywood nights oh Bob Seeger my God I love that
4: there was there was that one tour that she came out did, did we do do it with the band or was yeah. it just her and I no it's the,
0: it the band the band yeah it so fun. Yeah, I, I'm a I'm a sucker for Seeger man. I love. Me too. Like, I mean, he just makes such good songs. He makes just I mean, they're, I mean, they're essentially like essentially they're they're all the same. They're all. Hey, you remember when I was <laughs> awesome back when I was young, and I'm not awesome anymore. Like that's <laughs> yeah. every single one, but still, they're every single one. Night moves Hollywood nights. Like they're all. I mean, like a rock. They're just oh. So uh, good.
4: So good. So, so wh- good. And the way and his voice too. The way he sings it is just like oh, yeah. you know, you're like
0: gosh. I just want to like Yeah.
4: I just want to like stand here stoically and let a tear drop down
0: my face. <laughs> <laughs> well, now growing up in Vermont where you grew up, it doesn't seem like there was uh, a big garage band or underground music scene did i mean nope did you find any bands or anything like that in high school to play
4: yeah we um i was in a like basically a rock and roll cover band in Mm. high school called uh red flannel hash and uh we you know playing a lot of that sort of 60s you know a few originals but not really both mostly just like you know playing the classics yeah um but I was playing like keys and saxophone in that band, which was fun. It was great, like sing back up and you know, taking lead on a couple songs. Yeah. But you know, <laughs> bands it's like ninety percent drama, <laughs> five five percent deer and five percent music.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
4: <laughs> no, that's not true. That's uh, it was, depends it really on the band, band,
0: but it can really be yeah. true. <laughs> yeah well now when did you when did you make the switch to uh guitar because i know you you started on like you said on piano and then you went to saxophone like where did the the guitar become sort of your key instrument you know your performing instrument
4: yeah you know it was like i was the, the uh the guitar we always had a guitar in the garage that had two strings and eventually i was like okay let's get all the strings on this
3: yeah i think
4: i was probably 13. And I started playing and then, you know, because I was 13, it, then I was listening, I guess, to uh, I was just getting into all that, like, I don't know, Weezer and Green Day, mm. and, uh, Alanis Morissette, like all that stuff that the, was the nineties in the late 90s. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It was like that sort of grungy thing. And so, of course, I wanted an electric and, you know, but I was basically trying to write songs. Like from the beginning, I was sort of like a guitar is for writing songs on. Yeah. You know? and so I kind of used it as, as a pretty... You know, just simple accompaniment instrument for a long time. And and honestly, I still do. I'm not like a shredding or, you know, I don't have a lot of chops. As Leonard Cohen would say, I have a chop. <laughs> <laughs> I have one chop. I use it well. <laughs> you, you do.
0: You do. Now, you, you ended up going to Hampshire College uh, after high school, which I'm happy to say is still open. And I know, was...
4: me too. It was dicey there for a minute.
0: It was. It got very dicey in 2019. They had this whole, they're going to... Uh, uh consolidate and move and people weren't happy with that especially uh Ken oh, Ken, man,
4: the, yeah. Ken
0: Burns was was upset about that which uh listeners know I'm a huge fan of Ken Burns documentaries and anyone who is not is wrong they're fantastic uh, <laughs> agreed agreed uh, now Hampshire is sort of—I mean, it's—it's it's famous for being like a experimental college. There's no grades. There's no like standardized curriculum. It's what right. you want to go after at Hampshire. Uh, so, what what made you want to choose that as your school?
4: Yeah, I, I um, for a few years in elementary school, my sister and I were were homeschooled, and mm-hmm. that kind of like gave us a uh, real appreciation for like self-guided learning i think you know nice and so when it came to look time to look at colleges i was looking i didn't look at all alternative ones you know if there's a bunch across the, across the country oh, i yeah. was looking at for you know like i was looking at standard stuff you know some mm-hmm. um, state colleges and you know regular you know looking at what was around it and i just i went for a visit there and it was just one of those places that i was like oh look you know you can. Make your education whatever you need it to be or want it to be. Yeah, um, you know there is a lot of accountability that you know you can fall through the cracks, but yeah, there's a lot of accountability and you know in ways. And, and it was just you know I, I thought that I would enjoy it and and I did. It was great. You know yeah. I was also like entering a pretty anti-establishment um, for uh, the, uh, like authority figures. That <laughs> Nice. Kind of anti-authoritarian. I was very anti-authoritarian at that age, and I was like, "All right, why even? You know, why even go somewhere where there's a structure like that?"
0: Yeah, yeah. and
4: it worked out. It worked out pretty well, you know.
0: It seems very like the school seems. I mean, it seems uh, it's obviously came, it came up with some really, really notable alumni. But at the same time, for it to work, you do definitely have to be self-motivated and inquisitive and curious and like want to learn like a a person that's not wanting to learn it's going to be a crappy experience
4: unless they they get into the seven-year party program some kids
0: which <laughs> k- k- sounds pretty great. I don't know how much learning you're gonna do, but nope. I mean, it, it was super cool though for you because I heard you talk about like this adaptive design project, which went exactly oh, yeah. along with your career. Now you made you made a, a adaptive drum for uh, studio drummer Richie Lepore, and he was yep. missing part of his leg, and you guys came up with like a, a basically a drum apparatus for him to continue playing the drums which is super cool like was that was that like most of your freshman year that you were working on that
4: yeah yeah that was um when i was there the the way that it worked is your first year yeah you you would sort of take some classes but but sort of focus in and do like a a serious dive you know semi-serious dive on one thing yeah uh, so that was my sort of serious dive for that year and it was uh it was such an interesting experience, like working with with a guy who, you know, the only thing he wanted was to like still be able to like teach lessons. And, yeah. you know, he was, he was older. They had screwed up basically. Uh, you know, he had pneumonia, mm. and they you know put him into a induced coma, and then he you know got bed so it was the whole thing. And he, you know, broke his hip as a child, so he couldn't get a prosthetic, so. Jeez. He was like, if you could just build me a stool to, like, you know, play drums. And so it's a pretty simple pulley system, but I think it really, you know, like you mentioned, I think it really kind of informs my uh, my career path, you know. Yeah. That sort of, because, yeah, it was, it was a really interesting well, uh, project.
0: I mean, on. you know, I don't know how many times I've heard from students in college saying, going out, leaving a class going, <laughs> When am I ever going to use that? When am I ever going to use yeah. that? You're, you're using it, man. Yeah. That's what you do. You, I know. you come up with that for your career. But you, uh, you still live in that area of Massachusetts now, right?
4: I do. Yeah, I went. Um, a buddy of mine. Well, we graduated the same year, and uh, and we went traveling afterwards, and kind of bumped around and played music in the streets. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then and then I moved back because my sister had moved to that area. And, you know, that's where my friends were. There's still a bunch of people there. There's a nice community. Yeah. It's, you know, it's pretty close to where I grew up, only an hour and a half away. So, you know, I, I like getting out in the woods. And so the woods feel right. You know, they have the right smell to them. <laughs> <laughs> you know?
0: I've, I've never been to Amherst. Uh, if I come up to Amherst and I call you up and I say, Matt, I'm in Amherst. I've got one night. Yeah. I need a place to eat. Where are you telling Ooh. me? Where's my Where's my go to in Amherst that I should, should I, I should go eat?
4: And there's a there's a few good ones, you know. I, I would probably run down the like, you know, which uh, which flavor of food. There's really good like El Salvadoran and Mexican, Ooh. Comalito and Mission Cantina, and there's a really good a uh, place called Oriental Flavor. If you're into that, they have some great seafood shumai. Um, oh, and they do man. a bunch of that, like, dim, dim sum type stuff. Yeah. Those three are kind of my go-tos. And then, you know, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a sleepy town. But, you know, like, Northampton's a little bit more bustling across the river there. We get you know, Amherst your... is like, you can't get food after 9 o'clock, pretty much. <laughs> We get get there early.
0: <laughs> we get some we get some listeners from Northampton on the on the podcast. Shout out to Northampton! Right. Yeah, yeah, they, they they listen in every now and then. Thank you guys. Um, All right. All right. Now now that I've got my food recommendations, I know now I've uh, <laughs> I, I can I can head up there with confidence if I need something to eat, uh, which obviously you <laughs> always do. Now, yeah. uh, like you said, you traveled around some after college, but then you, did you basically jump into the band with your sister, uh, Rusty Bell, like, fairly, was that, that was like within a year or two after you graduated, right?
4: Yeah, yeah, it was like as soon as we got back from travel, you know, so I was traveling for like maybe a year and a half. Mm-hmm. And then basically, you know, had been writing songs and, you know, back then I was definitely writing songs with my sister's voice in mind because she's a great singer one of these people who just she's been a great singer her whole life yeah she doesn't have to practice she just you know and like i you know it took me to really i had to beat that hell out of my voice to like <laughs> get it to to sound the way i wanted it to and she just you know she's got one of those voices so i started writing for her and then you know the the house we were living in had a couple other musicians in it so we, uh yeah rusty bell was uh we we never toured it very far, but we were, you know, we got pretty, pretty solid, strong in the, in sort of the New England region.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Now, did, uh, I mean, you guys had several albums, uh, uh, four or five albums that you came out with. Uh, yep. Now, while you were in that band, was that when you found your, your dumpster guitar that you play now?
4: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Dumpster diving at Hampshire College, no less. That was, uh. it was, it, Nice. it is filled with mold and uh, yeah I cleaned the mold out and yeah. I kind of made a couple modifications just to get it up and, and working and the only place that sounded good was in open Sea, so I tuned it to open sea and it's been there ever since
0: <laughs> now, I've heard you say like you appreciate it, but you've also tried to get it rid of it as well. Like <laughs> you, it's it's sort of one of those love hate things. Like I mean, you know, because it, it, it seems like it would be easier just to be like, okay, let's get a new guitar. But it doesn't seem like you can bring yourself to get rid of it.
4: No, I won't. I could never get rid of it. Now it's got it's got too much uh, too much history under under its <laughs> strings. It's like we've been everywhere you know and, and i think that's honestly i feel like i might be a, a sentimental person yeah <laughs> why else would i keep playing that thing yeah. it doesn't make any sense i have you know i have another guitar that i could play I, I i even you know bring an electric with me now to, you know just change the vibe a little bit and also if i break a string which you know it happens yeah. so i can just grab the electric but yeah i don't it's like it's got a hold on me man i don't know what it is
0: well, well, I mean, you know, with the rest of your band it makes sense. I mean, you it does, know.
4: you're right It's sort of a piece. <laughs> it
0: it goes it goes along with it. Yeah, part, right. Part of the deal. Um, well, now you like I said, you guys made several albums together. What eventually spurred you to start doing your solo stuff? <laughs> that was around like 2014. What was like, you know, okay, I'm going to go do this on my own. What 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 calls that?
4: You know, I just, I had uh, I had a lot of songs that I had written on that guitar, mm-hmm. and they didn't feel like Rusty Bell songs. Mm-hmm. And I had been sort of working on the foot drumming for a while because in Rusty Bell, we had, you know, stopped having, and one of the guys wanted to play more guitar and less drums. And so I started doing some foot drumming stuff in that band and then sort of started building that out and, you know, getting more into it and being like, well, geez, how. You know, how ma- How much noise can I make just as one person, you know? And then also became, you know, so I, I you know, made a record and, and, you know, did a couple of release shows, nothing big. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then sort of alternated, you know, Rusty Bell would put out an album and then I would put out an album. Yeah. And, and I realized, you know, that a lot of the shows that we were playing, you know, a lot of the kind of bar gig type shows anyway. They were like, you know, it's like 300 bucks for three hours of music. Yeah. And, you know, it's a great way to practice. And, but, you know, for the bands, you'd go out on the road, you'd do a couple weeks of that, you'd get back and you don't have rent still.
3: Yeah. You know?
4: so, it's a <laughs> so little like, bit harder. Do, yeah. Yeah, I could do this same tour and like that would actually make me like two months of rent or <laughs> whatever yeah. it was, you know? Yeah. So, it's, you know, in some ways that, you know, that became my... You know my steady job.
3: Yeah,
4: <laughs> I was still, you know, playing playing with the band for fun, and then it just got a little more momentum, and everyone sort of, you know, felt like it was time to focus on on solo stuff and so gotcha. we never we never broke the band up or anything
0: yeah um it, it, it wasn't a behind record. the music deal or anything like you know
4: no yeah no and the last record i thought common courtesy um that rusty bell put out was i was super proud of that record i think it's definitely the best thing that we did for sure and so it's nice to, to feel like that you know <laughs> not leave it on a flop for now yeah. anyway
0: yeah it's uh, uh listeners it's on spotify check it out it's a good one it, it, as far as that solo stuff it's funny because I mean the way you do that sort of one man band thing makes it makes it seem like you would be busking all the time. Were you mm. were you doing any busking or was it all just performances when you started?
4: Yeah, I did I did busking but only in towns where it made sense, you know. Mm. Um so basically I wasn't doing it at home, you know, I wasn't going to Northampton to do it, (laughs) although I was doing, I guess during that time I was doing farmer's markets, which was basically busking, but they'd hire you, Yeah. you know, (laughs) in some way. And then New Orleans, definitely, um, Mm -hmm. Charlottesville, Virginia, Burlington, Vermont, there's like any of those towns where they got like a pedestrian walk or, you know new orleans where it's just music music yeah, everywhere like, yeah yeah yep. um, there's a funny funny moments down there where you know describing the the rig earlier so the, the box of bones thing you know yeah. people would be walking by the, on the street and they'd they'd be grooving to the music or whatever and then they they'd see the box of bones and you'd you you watch them be like uh-oh that one looks like it could hex me i, I better give money to this and i swear that that box of bones is responsible for this. the, the the amount that i got paid there's there's too
0: much there's too much history with voodoo down there they're like okay for
4: real for real (laughs) yeah you know the highest the highest praise for busking in my my opinion was always like if you were set up near someone who was working and they tipped you Mm. you know what i mean (laughs) like they they are forced to be there they are basically in listening jail yeah (laughs) and if they like it man that's that's good. It's in, It's impressive,
0: yeah. man. It definitely helps out uh, sort of your
4: chops as a <laughs> as a artist. Um, oh, big time! And also, I think it's how I learned to sing. Just you know, because you can't sing quiet in the street. Yeah. You know, no one. <laughs> no y- one's gonna come over that.
0: You got to go for it. Yeah. 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 Now, now you've been, like we said, you've been jamming for several years now, um, and you got to do and see some pretty cool things. Uh, there were a couple moments I wanted to ask you about. One, I actually saw you repost just recently on Instagram. Speaking of those big classic rock names, your friend Don works with uh, the Rolling Stones, and you got to meet the yeah. Rolling Stones in Scotland, which seems so cool. <laughs>
4: yeah, man, that was yeah, that was definitely a pretty a pretty huge feeling moment, and also just like. That it wasn't, I don't know, I, I, I didn't geek out, I didn't freak out, I, you know, played it cool and we just, like, chatted him up a little bit, and so, you know, Don was kind of trying to describe to, to Keith, who, you know, I spent the most time with. Yeah. You know, it's like, oh, this, this is, you know, he's a musician, this is his deal, you know, and I know I know Keith's guitar tech, too, he lives nearby. Nice. So he shows him my stuff once in a while, and he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I get it, you know. They um, starts asking me about Jesse Fuller, you know, because he was like uh, a really early one-man band yeah. guy who probably crossed paths, and you know, it was probably one of his influences, you mm-hmm. know, so it was nice to just, you know, shoot the shit music a little bit.
0: He, I, yeah, I, I don't know how I'd be able to play it cool with Keith, because he's just like the c- coolest. So I
4: doubt I did play it cool. Quite <laughs> honestly, I feel I saw a p- that picture. I feel like I'm like laughing my head off. You're like, take it easy, man. You're, <laughs> you're scaring Keith. <laughs> uh, it's but I felt but I felt like I was cool. It,
0: <laughs> it's like it reminds me of that really old Simpsons episode where Homer gets drunk at their party and he remembers he remembers in his head what he acted like at the party and he's like the suave <laughs> James Bond type guy. In reality, he was drunk <laughs> like that's, I feel like that would be me in that situation too. I'd be like, yeah, I played it cool. I was real cool there.
4: <laughs> no, no, you weren't. I waited, I waited till I got outside the room before I threw up. <laughs>
0: <laughs> now, uh, the other one though that I wanted to ask you about, I saw you rocking out uh, on E-Town with Tyler Childers about three years oh, yeah. ago, which... That's really cool cuz I love Tyler. Uh
4: how Yeah how, me too, he's great.
0: How was it playing with him and uh I mean do you do you keep up with him or was that just sort of a one time thing playing with him there?
4: Um you know that was the first time that we met but his um his band were all sort of folks that knew me and I we knew each other from like the um western west virginia kind of scene they are all like you know yeah. pickers out out there. Yeah. Yeah. Um and uh Huntington I think West Virginia mm-hmm. and um and uh and we hit it off man I really like him I saw him again at a festival not that long ago but you know it's like we we get along really well we have a great time when we hang out and I never remember to get his number and, <laughs> you know it's like one of, those, one of those you know one of those people who definitely like he feels like a bud yeah um and it's been awesome watching his career take off because he's, he's such a great writer it's like it's fantastic seeing someone who's Who's down to earth and like saying cool shit yeah and, you know
0: the real roots get the country. notoriety
4: yeah yeah and i think he's just yeah he's he's very cool
0: yeah we actually had we had a band town uh town mountain on who uh they know him pretty well and they actually used to do shows all the time in his uh hometown and he would show up and like want to play with them and they were like they you know for a long time they just sort of like yeah okay and they humored him and they were like oh cool and then they actually let him play one night and they were like oh this dude's pretty this dude's gonna be awesome this dude's gonna be and you know sure enough then all of a sudden four years later his career is skyrocketing and he's headlining festivals and they're like yeah, we were right. He was gonna be big. That was yeah. <laughs> he
4: was yeah. He was really good. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: Well, let's talk about let's talk about your most recent album, uh, The End Is New. Uh, it came out in November, and uh, you worked on it with Steve Berlin, uh, like mm-hmm. the album before that, Mean Dog Trampoline. Yep. Now, I'm guessing you started this before the pandemic.
4: Yeah, everything was written pre-pandemic, and we recorded... Our first session was uh, was in February of, of 2020.
0: Oh, wow. Right there.
4: And so it was right... Yeah, like, it was just hitting the news, you know, starting to spread worldwide a little bit. No, you know, mm-hmm. no one really knew what was going on. Mm-hmm. And then the second set of dates were, were mid-March. And so you know, in Massachusetts, it was like, we were in, and so Steve was out on the West Coast. He got trapped. Like, they they went to lockdown, right? Because of the yeah. Seattle yeah. sort of thing. So they went down lockdown. He was like, all right, we'll try to do this remotely. And, and then halfway through the session, Massachusetts went into lockdown. And the engineer and I were just kind of like, okay, I guess we'll just, like, finish up these next couple days. <laughs> and then, if one of us has it, the other one has it. So we're yeah. just like... <laughs> And they weren't even doing math then, you know, it's still just like wash your hands. Yeah, figure it it out. It was a trip and a really interesting, you know, content wise, like all of those songs really felt appropriate for what was (laughs) happening. Yeah, Like it was kind of, it was kind of intense. It was like, wow. Okay. Watch
0: the world burn as we write make this album. Yeah uh yeah yeah it's uh well i mean how much harder was it working on that album than like the last album with all that going on
4: i mean the main the main thing that made it really hard on my end was just the communication lapse with steve Mm. (laughs) you know it was like really that that just slowed everything down you know and it was sort of like it was as though he had ears in the session but also, apparently, everyone was using the same software those first, you know, couple weeks, and so it kept crashing. So mm. like, I I almost called the album "Gone" because um, that was the word that he texted to me most <laughs> that whole time. Because every time he got disconnected, "Gone, Gone, Gone, Gone."
0: <laughs> oh, that's depressing. That's
4: yeah. But you know, in terms of like the world, you know, like that, that sort of like I, w- I wasn't really feeling the stress yet. I was still feeling like kind of safe uh and a little freaked out Mm -hmm. but it was hard to really understand the scope of it oh yeah um in in the beginning
0: for sure for sure now uh, like i said you worked on your album before this with steve as well and Mm -hmm. Steve, steve does like most of his stuff he he recorded different tracks Whereas like I, I got a feeling on most of your albums before this you did pretty much everything live like yeah h- how weird was it for you to do like these multiple takes and like different tracks with him
4: it was it was interesting, you know I think it was a really good learning experience because. I'd been doing it my way for a while, and you know, like on you know the record before Mean Dog was Pile Driver. On that one, I was doing overdubs, you know, and and some of the previous ones, but the main the bass tracks, you're right, are were just me in a room playing live. Yeah. And so it was it was really it was really interesting. It was good for me, and you know, having done it the same way for a while, that was you know kind of why I wanted to bring a producer in in the first place. You know, like let's mix things up a little bit. So yeah. You know, the nuts and bolts of it I found to be – I find to be way less fun, you know, because, <laughs> because it's, it's more tedious. But oh, that's, yeah. You know, like, that's in order to get it right. And Steve's definitely more of a perfectionist than I am, um, or we have different kinds of perfection, I suppose.
3: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so,
4: you know, so it was like it was pretty, you know it, – it was it was work, you know. And, yeah that was good it was good it was good for me you know i think he tightened me up a little bit in a nice positive way
0: well it's sort of like you said with with uh the the going backwards from the beatles and the stones and everything sort of the same deal you go back to the raw recording and then you start building back and working on some of that recording and production type of stuff you know find the right balance between the two
4: and you know it makes it more like so. The, the beginning elements of it are really you know tedious and and difficult. But then once you move on to getting your overdubs and adding all of those cool shapes and textures to the music, mm-hmm. that's then it gets really fun. You know, and that's a different kind of exciting. You know, that that sort of like oh man, is this here's the perfect sound? Oh no, let's put that through one of those you know Leslie speakers. Oh, oh nice. that'll be perfect. You know, all the, all those little things that are you know, I don't want to spend as much time on. He's like, he's like all about getting those perfect sounds,
0: which is cool. Now, now I don't like to ask what's your favorite track on the album, because I feel like, you know, of course, every track is your favorite album. It's your album. Uh, What what, what would you say was the, I guess, the most impressive, like sonically, like production wise, like that, that you would say is on the album that you just think there's a lot of cool things on it, cool layers and whatnot like that?
4: I mean the the last track on the album is called "More" and Mm -hmm. it's like very different than the rest of them. Mm. I wouldn't necessarily call it my my favorite. I don't even really know how to play it live. (laughs) (laughs) You know, there's some weird like keyboard sampley stuff. We basically built the track, you know, kind of piece by piece. Yeah. but I had a, a, such a fun time on it. It's a very like heavy, moody, dark song. Nice. Um, but it really has it has some pretty some pretty awesome sounds on it. But like most, you know, what what's another one? Man on the Moon has some cool layers. Last Man on the Moon. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the ones that I got really excited about on this record were the ones uh, that other people played on. Mm. So like. You know, Jay Mascus playing on "Candle" was a huge one, and actually, that's probably my favorite song on the record. Is "Candle," just because nice. it's like it's a ripper, and it's like a ball, like a power ballad. So, yeah. I'm a sucker for those. Nice, um, nice. And then I had a drummer on a couple tracks, which was cool. I got to, like, stand up and sing. We felt, you know, like... What am I doing? Kind of, kind what? Exactly. Gosh. It's like, what do I do with my feet? What <laughs> just stand on these, I guess? Okay.
0: <laughs> well, along with the fantastic album that came out in the pandemic, you also had a, a big change. Uh, you had a kid. Yeah. I'm, I'm guessing that's a... That's a big 180 in life. That's a big change a, there.
4: Yeah, it's a mind-blowing kind of thing. You know, we lucked out in a lot of ways. He was, he was born in September. Mm. And so, like, to not even feel the pressure of having to go to work was pretty amazing. You yeah. Know? it's like, well, no one's working. I guess we just hang out with this kid, and it's such a <laughs> magical time. You know, they're, like, learning literally everything. Yeah. <laughs> there is to know.
0: Yeah. It's why it's, I saw, I got real excited. I saw you post a picture of him below the piano. And he was handing oh, you a, a Sam cookbook, and Sam's my favorite. <laughs> yeah. He's my absolute he's favorite. Man. So, I, uh, g- good taste there. Good taste. Yeah. <laughs> Can you already see him? Is he already gravitating towards music, or was that just a random pick there?
4: He's he's definitely gravitating towards it. I've you know, I I'm playing the piano a lot, and he like he's into it, you know. But he wants to come up and play, and then you know he's already getting to that stage. He's not even one, and he's like. You know, I'm playing. He's like, I want to play. I get him up, <laughs> sit him down. He starts pounding away. I play along with him and he's like, hey, stop playing.
0: Don't ruin my, doing... my piece here. What are you doing?
4: <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's like, yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty funny. It's, it's cute. <laughs> and, you know, I don't think I, I I can't see myself, you know, pushing him into into that Uh, like, for a living, but the cool thing about music is that it just, it enriches your life no matter what you do. Oh, yeah. You know, so he's, you know, there's probably going to be some, you know, I'm sure there'll be times in his teens when he doesn't want to take piano lessons anymore. (laughs) Like, Mm -hmm. that's fine, but you got to play some kind of music, kid. (laughs) Because it's good for your brain.
0: It's got to be there. (laughs) Yeah, it's got to be there. Well, last question as far as music being there for everybody else is, uh, is the rest of 2021 just trying to schedule more Suitcase Junket shows? Is that what you're going to try to get accomplished there?
4: Yeah, you know, I'm going I'm to, I think, keep sort of dipping in slowly. I'm going to be, you know, do like, I'm doing like a weekend here and there, mm-hmm. doing some short tours, figuring out how, how touring looks with a kid. Yeah, know, yeah. He's, you know, at some point, I'm super excited to, to get him out on the road, but, you know. A little too much to handle when they're, for an 11-month-old, 10-month-old. <laughs> when they're, yeah, yeah, when they're so young, it's kind of like they don't appreciate it, and all they do is sort of make, you know, our, our would make our part of it harder. So. Yeah,
3: for sure. <laughs> we'll see, you
4: know, I'm, I'm like sort of gearing up to to write the next record nice and getting excited about that and uh and then the shows that come in are you know i'm excited to to be playing again It'll Be for fun sure.
0: for sure well matt i want to thank you for taking the time to come on the show i really appreciate it
4: no thank you yeah that was fun chat, chat with you and I, I appreciate you taking the time
0: for sure listeners you can follow everything suitcase junket at suitcase thesuitcasejunket.com. the suitcase com or follow him on Instagram at just Suitcase Junket. Right now, let's take a listen to my favorite off the newest album, Black Holes and Overdoses, right here on the Doc G Show. Here on the Doc G Show, you just heard "Suitcase Junket" with black holes and overdoses. A little bit of uh, sad, covered and happy. There, Mike. A little sad, covered and happy. That's basically the whole album. Yeah, basically the whole album. Hey, have you have you ever been? Did you ever go touring in that area uh, of America in his in his neck of the woods, Massachusetts, uh, Vermont area?
1: Yeah, uh, Buddy and I did a show in Boston um, mm-hmm. at the, uh, there's a theater, man, I can't remember the name of the theater, but uh, mm. a lot of fun, Boston was a great time, we also filmed a little movie there as well,
0: never oh. did, uh, but yeah, it was good, good
1: times, but nice. uh, ne- never went
0: really cool. west though, west Massachusetts, never no. into that, no. into Yeah, and west mass, I noticed, I didn't actually bring it up with him on uh, in the interview, but I noticed there were some times where he, he basically, people from the south, uh, started calling him a Swamp Yankee. <laughs> that was, and that's what he started calling his music was Swamp Yankee music. Nice. So it's, so I guess it's, it's, it's woodsy northern folks. I like that, out there, I, like those, you know? I
1: like those parties. Been to some parties. Yes. Not toured, okay. but
0: I've been to some parties. They there we go all right <laughs> and, uh, well i mean he uh, he recommended as far as eating if i go to amherst got to go to mission cantina and mm. uh you know i'm gonna be honest i haven't really ever met a mexican restaurant that i was really upset at oh nope. you know like mm-hmm. even the worst mexican i've been happy to eat yeah <laughs> it's always good <laughs> as an, it's consistent as it re- yeah I mean, it's it's I mean, even with bad ingredients, it's still sort of hard to uh screw up, but I got to no be honest, sauce. I'm looking. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm looking at Mission Cantina, and they—I mean, you know, you got you got tacos five dollars $5 each for the tacos, which sounds a little pricey. But I mean, it depends on the got taco.
1: S- it depend totally depends on what the taco looks like. If it's street tacos, sure. then it's
0: five dollars each. Come on, so true. Yeah, that's outrageous. Let's get let's get real. Let's get real. But this this seems like sort of a a, a fancy taco. Mm. But I'm I'm really I'm really invested here in the burrito ahogado. Uh, mm. which is smothered in Rojo on, uh, enchilada sauce and melted cheese. That's and, what's uh Yeah, and I'm looking at the Carnitas because I'm a Carnitas fan. So mm. that's that's going down. If I'm if I'm going to Amherst, that's going down. That, that that's, sounds like a that's good gonna, spot. Oh, it's I mean it's and then they got the queso fundido for for uh uh appetizer. Oh get out of do t- the any, load, Do hmm? they have any Al Pastor? Mm. I'm not seeing it. No. I'm not seeing not. it. Uh is that is that one of your favorites? Is that one of your go to? Yeah, when I'm yeah.
1: Uh it's uh you know that how they have like the pork that roasts on the skewer and then they cut down um like they, they cut yeah. the meat down. Usually they have that. I'm at, looking like, at
0: it. Uh, I'm looking at it. Cooking yeah. method is based on the lamb shawarma. Yeah, yeah uh, the shawarma. yep. Yeah. Uh, they do that uh, mix
1: style with the al pastor. What That looks I can't good. can get any other type of uh protein when I go to a taco spot now. It's only al pastor. Oh man. I I, I don't blame you.
0: That is reeling me in. I want to sort of stop the show and just eat that now. That's <laughs> That's a fact. Al pastor Yikes. folks. That's the way to go. That is good moves. Oh, man, and I've got a bunch of places listed right around me. Google was like, here, be fat at these places. (laughs) Oh, man. You're right, Google. I will be. Correct. Correct. Guys, make sure you check out Suitcase Junket. Uh, If you are in West Virginia, make sure you check out the Purple Fiddle. He says it's a fantastic place. You'll have a great time at the old Purple Fiddle. Mm. Um, yeah. I, I've never been, but if he's endorsing it, I'm going to endorse it. Matt says go. Do it. So true. Do it. Yeah. Um, Purple fiddle. Okay, Mike. Last birthday suit. We now have gone into basketball. Hmm. Uh, this is going to be, he's a uh, one-time All-Star, but I feel like a pretty big name as a one-time All-Star. So let's see here. Born on uh, July 21st, 1988, in Houston, Texas. Our birthday suit wearer started playing basketball at a young age. By high school, he was excelling, uh, averaging 26.1 points, 15.2 rebounds, and 8.1 blocks a game. Jeez. Coming out of high school, he was the number one ranked player in Texas. He decided to accept a scholarship to Texas A&M. He only spent one year before declaring for the NBA draft. He was ended up drafted by the Los Angeles Clippers in 2008, Mm. 35th overall. He stayed with the Clippers 11 seasons, being a two-time rebound leader in 2014 and 15. Uh, and a All-NBA player for three seasons, a two-time All-Defensive team player, and a one-time All-Star. He was traded to the Dallas Mavericks in 2008, then the Knicks in 2019, and he is currently with the Brooklyn Nets. Hmm. Name that birthday suit where? Jamal Crawford. <laughs> nope. I'll no? give you one more hint. DJ.
1: What do we got? DJ. Ah, um...
0: DeAndre Jordan. There it is, oh, yeah. yes. Wow. DeAndre Jordan, correct. <laughs> Almost the same, age. I think Jamal Crawford's older than that. I think yeah, Jamal's- Yeah, I
1: think he is too, yeah. But like they just, I think that just his uh, record sounded the exact same, or like they've been on those
0: teams. We had Clippers, Brooklyn, yeah, yeah, I was about to say. Yeah, yeah, wow, I just looked up. At... Jamal's 40. Wow. Good Lord, wow. he is 40 he...
1: years old. And Man. he still balls out, and he's, he's yeah. good. He's good. And he
0: still looks the same, too. That's yeah, crazy He does thing. not
1: change. Does he's, he's, not change. He's
0: like, he's like Pharrell. Yep. They got, they they look got alike. the same look, man. The, so funny. Jeez. Uh, yeah, well, it's DeAndre Jordan, who's definitely, he's grown out his hair. He's changed a little bit over the years. Definitely uh, his peak, though, at uh, Lob City. Woo! Man. Yeah. Whew, he was on then. So true. He was on in Lob City. That was intense yeah. there. Uh, I bet he's. I uh, bet he's. Uh, I don't know. I, I'd be a little upset if I was at Brooklyn and we had all those players and then we lost to the uh, the Bucks. I mean, yeah. I was thinking about that last night after they they uh, uh, won the championships with the Bucks. I was like, man, one inch away. That's a if, fact. If Kevin Durant's foot would have been an inch shorter they'd be in the finals like that that's all that's all it was that one shot from a two-pointer to a three-pointer one inch game of inches even though it's not football yeah it's crazy man it's crazy but uh anyways it's deandre's birthday he's uh let's see 30 33 33 for deandre great happy birthday Happy birthday, DeAndre. Happy birthday,
1: DeAndre Jordan, DJ.
0: Woo! woo good stuff. Well, uh, next week, we've got a fantastic show. I'm super excited about it. We've got Bad Sons, great band out of L.A. They are L.A. natives. Been living in the valley just like Karate Kid for the last 20 years, making great tunes. That's right. Being super, super popular now. Uh, I saw on their Instagram bidding farewell to Conan. They got to play Conan several years back, so uh, you know little, little history in Conan's uh, illustrious career. Very impressive. Can't wait to talk to their lead singer. It's going to be great. But for now, we got to wrap up the show. I have been your host, Doc G. With me. The furnace. The furnace. Yes. Yes. I love it. I'm. 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 am slowly moving into just feeling right, Mike, and just feeling. Yeah. That's it. That's it. Fir- but I'm. I'm feeling good too. Good. Good. <laughs> Until next week, guys. Zip it up and zip it out.
1: Zip it doo da <laughs>